Welcome to the KPC Podcast. This week's message is from Pastor Steve Keller. We are, we are now about to turn the corner, we will turn the corner today, into Romans chapter 5. Um, but so far, what, what Paul has been doing a whole lot of for us is he has been speaking about the spiritual condition of all of humanity in the first three chapters, specifically in Romans. And his point is a simple one. It's that we are all sinners, and sin is deadly for everybody, every time, no matter where they are, no matter what their rank, privilege, in or out the church, sin is deadly for all of us. And what sin does uh, to humanity is it leaves us without any way, we have no way of being able to make that leap from death to life. We just can't do it. On our own, we can't get from this place of death and sin to light. And, and Mark pointed out a couple of them last week. Um, we, we cannot work our way into salvation through good deeds, charitable giving, acts of kindness. Those are all great things to do. They won't save you. Um, we, we can't slip our way into salvation through um, Old Testament laws and ritual keeping and, and you know, religion. That doesn't work either. And, and another theme that will pop up along the way in, in the rest of the New Testament, Paul talks about it quite a bit, though, is that we also kind of can't slide our way into salvation or barge our way into salvation with some kind of worked-up human faith, you know, just I'll, I'll, I'll muster up a faith from within me that's big enough to just knock down the doors of heaven and be saved. None of that works. Paul has taken a whole lot of time so far. If you've been here for the first uh, three chapters of Romans, he has really made that point. Um, not only to a pagan world, people way outside of church walls, but he, he's also made that point to, to us, a uh, religious community. So, in other words, if life is a highway, and yes, every time I say that phrase, I hear that song, you know, life is a highway. So, if life is a highway, what Paul has been doing is he's been taking roadblocks, and he's been putting them up on every off-ramp that we are tempted to take spiritually. It just, you know, oh, I'll just shortcut salvation over here, or, well, I'm going to go another way. Paul's like, no way. One highway, one destination, one ultimate truth, you are only going to get there this way. And last week, it really jumped out of the passage that, I think Mark read it, maybe Chris read that part, but the passage that that Mark shared with us last week, Romans 4.13, this is where we get it, okay? How does this whole thing work? Faith, salvation, life with God. Romans uh, 4.13, Paul writes this about Abraham, and he said, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on Abraham's obedience to the law, but instead on a right relationship. Big words. Right relationship with God that comes through faith. So again, rightness, okay, this idea of being right with God, it is not based on creeds and deeds and and laws and, and rules. Being right with God is based on a personal, real genuine, intimate. It, it's, it's a live relationship between you and God, me and God, us and God. 
And so that takes us through chapter 4 all the way to chapter 5 now, which we're going to start today. And before I get into chapter 5, I need to talk to you about something that Paul does here, okay? Paul changes things up on us. And what he does in chapter 5 is it, it, it is a very, very subtle change, okay? In other words, you could miss it because I missed it out until a commentator pointed it out to me. But, but Paul changes something up in Romans chapter 5, very subtle, very deliberate, very, very important. And here's what Paul does. He changes pronouns on us, okay? You feel the weight of that? He changes pronouns. So far, Paul has been talking about you. He's been talking about they. But suddenly, his language changes, and the pronoun he uses is we. Paul goes to the pronoun we. Now, the question is, okay, why does Paul do that? Well, the answer comes four verses later. I quoted Romans 13. Four verses later, in uh, chapter 17, it jumps out at us. It says here, as it is written, Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. Now, here's what Paul is saying, okay? Paul is saying, look, church, do not make the mistake of thinking that Abraham is like any other natural father, okay? Abraham's family are not just the children that he had, you know, him and Sarah, and it's not their children, their children's children. It's not just his natural family. You brought this out last week beautifully, my friend. Abraham is also not just the father of the Jews. Abraham is the father of all who believed, now, so that means if you've confessed to Christ, you know what you are? You are branches on Abraham's family tree, okay? So, hence, this is the reason for the change in pronoun, you know? Okay, we are not mindless followers uh, uh, of Jesus Christ uh, or, or mindless kind of rule followers. We are not rigid rule keepers. We are not a religious workforce. That is not what the church of Jesus Christ is. We are the family of God. We are the people of God. We are the children of God. Just like Abraham, what we're called to, what we're invited into, this whole salvation God journey, is we are called into relationship. Just like Abraham had this right relationship with God, the same is true for us. And, and, and then from that point on, the call for us for the rest of our lives is then to live out of relationship with God. You know, I, I could have heard about this woman named Jane, you know, and talked to you about this, you know, beautiful redheaded woman named Jane and all these things I've heard about her. Doesn't mean a whole lot, right? I am married to Jane, right? I, I, I live in an incredible relationship. My whole life has changed because of relationship, connectedness, knowing, moving together, knowing her heart, knowing her mind, knowing her heart. Uh, it is supposed to be like that between us and God. We are to be a people who, and this is what Paul's been getting out, don't live from the outside in. And that's all the, you know, the, all the rule keeping, you know, got to be here, got to do that, you know, got to keep God happy. That's living from the outside in. Paul is inviting us to live from the inside out, from the heart, from friendship with God, from relationship with God. We are meant to be moved and motivated by a real love, the love of God in Jesus Christ. Why? Because that's how relationships work. 
That's how it is when you're in relationship. Now, so with that in mind, Paul now in chapter 5 writes to us about the relationship. Here is what this relationship with God is supposed to be like for every child of God. And what he's doing, just so you know, Paul does have an ulterior motive. His ulterior motive is he wants you to appreciate and me to appreciate this incredible relationship, and he is inviting us to step all the way into this. Um, I love what, what John Stott writes right here. He says, the Apostle Paul now, in Romans chapter 5, describes the fruits the blessings, the blissful consequences of those whom God has justified in Christ. So, Paul goes on in chapter 5 to give us six we statements, okay? Not to be confused with WII, the game console, but he gives us six we statements uh, that are for the children of God. So, title of the sermon, This Is Us, okay? If you ever said, man, that sermon today, was, that was all about me. Well, this one is all about you, okay? So go ahead and get over it because this is all about you and it's all about me. Um, and by the way, these are so rich and so wonderful, we're only going to cover three out of the six we statements, okay? So here we go. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll read the whole thing to you. Romans 5, 1 through 11, although we are only going to get to two of the 11 verses today, all right? So that's the difference now between Mark and I. You know, Mark preaches... And like last week, he covers a whole chapter. With me, you only get through two verses. So uh, you can judge which one is better. We're taking a poll. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, uh, so here we go. Romans 5, 1 through 11. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time when we were powerless... Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received reconciliation. Let's pray. Father God, Oh, we've got a feast before us, Lord. I just, in my spirit, I just see apples and roasted pig and, uh, Father, just everything that makes our heart come to life. Lord, Turkish delight for those Narnia fans out there. God, you have a banquet set before us today in your word, and I thank you that today is a day of liberation. Father, this is a message of freedom, and so I just continue to pray in agreement with what you have already started in this service, Lord God, that you would set us free. And right now, today, I especially pray for minds, that there would be paradigm shifts in our thinking. 
that our hearts would be moved to, to just a different reality, which is all based on relationship. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. All right, now you heard the word we uh, many, 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 many times in, in those 11 verses or 12 verses, um, but there are actually only six marvelous we statements just saying what we have in Christ. Now, before I, I go through the first three of these, um, we need to point out a word that is very important. Um, Paul starts off, uh, and before he gets to the first we statement, he says something, and we really need to get it, okay? Because everything he's going to talk about is connected to this one word. So here it is. Paul, Paul says um, that we, since we have been justified, since we have been justified, here is what has changed for us. The question and the word we got to identify with is justification. What does justify mean? All right? The word justify in the Greek means declared free. All right? The word justified means declared free. Now, what the word justified does not mean it does not mean made perfect, and it's really important to understand that. Uh, Jonathan Edwards, and this, this is amazing because nobody's quoted Jonathan Edwards in a long time. Mark quoted him to open the, the service. I got another quote from Jonathan Edwards. We had no idea, but Jonathan Edwards captures the idea of, of what, what justification means in one sentence, and he says this, if I set a slave free, I haven't changed his character I've changed the status. That's what it means. That's what justification means. Every one of us, we have been declared free by God. Our status has changed. And right, golly, right now as I preach this, we speak that word over Andrew Brunson right now in Jesus' name. We hold on to that. As we talk about freedom, we contend and we speak over his freedom in Jesus' name. But folks, that's what justification means. It means we have been declared free, our status has changed. So, in these first three we statements, what Paul is going to do is he is going to tell us, here's what has changed. Now, I'm going to go ahead and warn you, when I tell you what has been changed, all right, if you're on the other side of this, I believe in Jesus' name, some of y'all are going to get set free just hearing the Word of God today, okay? So, so real, really listen up to these, and, and of course, next week in the next three, Paul's going to get more into character, which comes later. So, here is we statement number one in verse one. You ready for it? Like to hear it? Because here it go. Okay, statement number one, we have peace with God. You and I have peace with God because Jesus Christ entered our lives. Peace is a universal cry of every human heart, okay? Across the board with humanity, no matter where you live, no matter what your spiritual, physical, financial, emotional condition, everybody wants peace, Think about it for a minute. You know, talk to any pastor or any counselor. Now, they might be talking about all kind of different circumstances with somebody in their lives, right? The mountain for this person may look different than the one for that person. You might be dealing with a family, a child, a financial situation, some brokenness in the past. You are always dealing with the issue of inner peace in a person's life. That's what they're looking for, you know? It is universal. Um, when, it, when it comes to societal peace, or domestic peace. Think back on any election year. Is domestic peace, is it or is it not, 
the, on the platform of every single political campaign. It's there, right? And then, of course, we all know that world peace is the answer of every beauty contestant in every beauty contest ever. Um, as, as John Stott says, the pursuit of peace is a universal human obsession. It just is. Well, newsflash for every Christian in the room, we've got peace where it counts most. We have got peace with God. Y'all, y'all, that is gigantic. You know, again, we opened up with what? The first three chapters of the book of Romans. There is no peace anywhere for anywhere. We cannot save ourselves. It can't be had. Folks, through Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. Through His death, through His resurrection, with, with our, just our little mustard seed of faith, putting that on Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we, Jesus has done what? He has reconciled us to God. He has brought us together with God. Uh, we are friends of God now. We are children of God now. We're, we're the family of God now. We are one with God. We have peace with God, and that is everything. Now, a, a question that sometimes comes up, not typically by church people because we want to look more, you know, wise in this, but a question that typically comes up is, well, how in the world can Jesus pull off peace? Okay? Well, number one, He is the Son of God, but number two, Isaiah 9-6 says something very important about Jesus Christ. It is a label that He wears. He is worn for all of eternity in, into infinity, and it is Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. That's why Jesus can bring peace to us. You know, when it comes to our lives, Steve Keller's life, which again, I am not going to detail for you because I wouldn't be your pastor anymore, if you, if you, probably if you knew everything I came from, but you look at the past sin in everybody's life. What has Jesus done through the cross? He has forgiven all of it, all of it, any sin you ever committed. But here's the thing about Jesus it's not just a backward-looking thing. It's also a forward-looking thing with Jesus. Jesus has also committed himself to, to, to forgive any sin we would forgive in the future, or we would commit in the future. 1 John 1, 9 tells us this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And since sin is that thing that separates us from God… Since sin is that thing that disrupts our whole lives and, you know, the guilt, condemnation, and, and it's been wiped out by Jesus Christ, folks, the result of that forgiveness is we have peace with God. The Prince of Peace gives His children peace. It is His to give to us, and, and, and it impacts who and how we are with God. Um, I will give you an example from my life of how this works. Um, if you have been married for more than a week… Believe it or not, you are aware of an ultimate truth. Now, uh, you might not be thinking of it this moment, but what I'm going to say, you know is true. If you're going to get married, this one's for free, okay? Y'all go ahead and get ready. If, okay, so if you've been married for any amount of time at all, you know that everything in your life, you can have it lined up just right, you know? I mean, you can have all your ducks in a row, or everything can be moving in just the right direction, and, you know, you look over at your job and go, yeah, that's good. You know, the, 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 the house that I live in, yes, that's good. You know, my finances just, oh, they feel so right. My friends, everything can seem perfect in your life. But if 
your relationship with your spouse is not good and it's not right, all the rest of that stuff doesn't mean a whole lot. You know, none of that stuff is, is, is that good. And here's the other side of it. You can also have a life where, you know, everything doesn't quite line up. You know, all your ducks aren't quite in a row. You know, we feel like I've got loose wiring over here, over here, and over here. But if that relationship is right, nothing else is that bad. It's just how it is when we have peace in the most intimate relationship in our lives. And so when you take that now to God... It, it, it just makes it incredible. Uh, Mark's uh, eight thirty six. Jesus says this, or he asks this, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and lose their soul? Well, the peace of God, the fact that we have peace with God, y'all, that is the assurance that our soul is secure, that we are right with God, that we are indeed justified, free people. The peace of God is one of those indications, I know I'm free because I got peace. And especially as you look around at headlines, to have peace in this world, it's a miracle. But it is the mark of a person who is free, who, who, who has freedom from God. So we have peace with God. Number two, from verse two, second we statement, we are standing in grace. Man, didn't that sound good? You know, I, before I even know what that means, that statement is amazing. You know, I, I, every time I say it, I'm just like, oh, Lord, I just, all the serenity, the goodness, just the settling of that statement, we have grace with God. Now, I could explain this to you in real highfalutin uh, theological language. I could break this down in the Greek about nine different ways. The best way to explain the grace of God that we are standing is, is actually w- with, with a picture, okay? It is like this. Um, oh, I won't do it. Okay, I thought about it, but I won't. All right. It is as if Jesus has taken every, us by the hand as individuals, and He has walked us into the courtroom of God Almighty, all right? He has walked us before the king, and when we get in the presence of our almighty king, we are not standing there like servants in the castle, right? Or, the, or you know, whatever it is, the estate, the manor. We're not standing there like servants where the king's going to say, okay, now you run off and go do this. Okay, you go off and take care of this. You know, go clean the royal chamber and make sure you get the royal chamber pot while you're taking care of the royal chamber. It's not, it's not like that, okay? It's also not like Alice in Wonderland, You know, you remember when she met the Queen of Hearts? And the Queen of Hearts said to her, Alice, if I lose my temper, you lose your head. It's not like that when Jesus brings us before God. Instead, we show up like the royal court. Better yet, we show up in the presence of God as the royal family. We have the favor of the king. We we have the acceptance of the king. The grace in which we now stand is unconditional acceptance by God. You and I are secure, and listen to me, I know, I know this gets, goes against some of the voices in our head, some of the lies that we've been told, some of the things that people said to us, but folks, we are secure in God's unending favor. You sang it today with me. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. That, that's the favor. That's the grace that we now stand in. We have peace with God, and we are standing in grace. Number three, also from verse two, 
we now boast or rejoice in our hope of God's glory. Now, here's what Paul means, okay? And sometimes wording can, can mean different things in the New Testament, but here when God puts, or Paul puts that phrase together, here's what he is saying, that you and I now have a joyful, confident expectation that God's glory will be fully revealed in the future. In other words, we believe that a time is coming when Jesus Christ is returning back to this earth, and He is coming in power, He is coming in glory, He is coming in His fullness. And when that happens, two things are going to happen around us, all right? Number one, or one thing's going to happen around us, one thing's going to happen to us. What's going to happen around us when Christ returns is that all of creation is going to be liberated from the consequences of sin, the shackles of sin. All of God's creation, it will be redeemed in that moment, but guess what? Not just God's creation, so will we. We also know that we will be changed in that moment into God's glory. I'll prove that one to you. 1 John 3, 2, dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made fully known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. So it's, it's kind of like in the New Testament, you know, when the, the three disciples go up on the mount with Jesus, and Jesus is transfigured, and He becomes dazzling white, you know, and, and they see Jesus in all of His heavenly glory, and it's mind-blowing, and, you know, they're, whoa, look at Jesus. Well, the difference in the end is when we see Him and all He is, all that is going to hit us. We, we are going to reflect God's glory. We are going to be glorified. And we are hopeful, joyfully confident, 100% certain of this coming reality. We are, you know, we have peace with God. We are standing in grace. We hope in the coming glory of God. Now, those are awesome, aren't they? Those are just the first three we statements. But here's what's even cooler about them. Put them together and look at what you get. Um... We have peace with God, all right? We started with peace with God. We have peace with God as a result of our past forgiveness of sin. Okay, so, oh, God's taking care of the past. We are standing in grace, which is our present privilege of God's favor. So, whoa, the past is taken care of. Uh, The present is okay, and we rejoice in the hope of glory, our future inheritance. Guys, for us, the people of God, the past, the present, and the future is all taken care of. Look at what we have in this relationship. So, so, so what does this mean? Okay, we still got three more to go. But what do these three alone mean for us? Well, I'll tell you this. It means this, if nothing else. When it comes to the rest of this world, we are not like anybody else on this planet because of Jesus Christ. We are completely different. Folks, as believers, we are so set up by God. You know, to get a little more ghetto, we are so hooked up by God. We really are. We are so hooked up spiritually that we should never be in this this long-term state where we hang our heads as Christians and we throw our hands up. And listen, I know there are moments in life when that happens, okay? I mean, you get bad news. Something falls apart. You know, there are tragedies that, you know, they cause all of, we all suffer in the present moment, but we don't live like that. 
That is not who we are. We don't go through life that way. We also, and I talked to the men about this at the, at the men's retreat, um, as Pete walks in the room, one of the guys that heard this, another thing we don't do as Christians is we don't get caught up in civilian affairs. That is a really big deal for us as Christians. We, the Bible calls us soldiers, right, in, in God's army. And, and what Paul means when he's talking to Timothy about, look, man, don't get caught up in civilian affairs. What he's talking about is, look, there's a whole lot of stuff going around the planet. There's a whole lot that's being passed, communicated, and, yeah, like disease, right, from human to human. Stuff like offense, stuff like anger, stuff like blame, stuff like, yeah, don't get caught up in that junk, don't get caught up in that. Man, you, you got peace with God. You know, you're standing in grace. Oh, you're hoping in, 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 you know, in, in the coming glory of God. Don't live that way. And, and, and Paul's point here is, look, when people see us, you know, it ought to be like this. That they ought to double take when they see us, right? They ought to double take when they see the children of God at who we are and how we are. You know, and what we're about and, and what we say and how we love and how we serve, we are just different because we're caught up in a whole nother reality. You know, I got peace, I got grace, man, I got hope, and I ain't got time for all this. You know, I, I just don't. I, I'm just moving on another trajectory in my life. I'm about something else. I'm about the kingdom. And so the question I think we need to ask ourselves, and I asked it of myself this week, is, okay, Steve, well, in light of what Paul says, you know, that this is who we are and this is what we got, what is the problem in the body of Christ all over the place? And, and I'm a part of the body, so this is for me. What, what is the problem? Well, the problem is simple. It is just that we simply don't get it. We just don't get it. We do not realize what we got. If we did realize what we got, we wouldn't be doing this through life. You know, we wouldn't just slug our way through life. I mean, think about it, okay? I'll, I'll use some tired old analogies that other preachers have used a million times. What is a person like who just won the Super Bowl? You know, what are they like? Well, what is a person like who just got an incredible inheritance or just won the lottery? I don't know anybody who's ever won the lottery. If I do, oh man, that, you know. But what are they like? What is a person like who just got declared free of cancer? What are they like? Oh, well, you know, I got to get back to life. No, they're, they're just cocoa for Cocoa Puffs. They are, aren't they? They spread the news, they rejoice. They fall on their knees in gratitude, and they get up, and life is never the same again. Maybe their circumstances are all the same, but they're not the same. And, and that's the difference. Again, we're only halfway through the we statements, and we already have life-changing truth. And so, so what do we do about it? Okay, what do we do about this? All right, well, here, here's what I suggest. Number one, when it comes to the peace of God, the grace of God, and the hope of God, this incredible truth, I suggest, first of all, that we receive this like a dying desert wanderer, you know, water, who comes upon an oasis. I suggest we receive this like that. Man, we drink this in deep. We embrace this with every part of our life. Another thing we do, you know, in, in light of the peace of God, the, the grace of God, the hope of God, is a lot of us, and this is me, we need to repent 
of every lie in our lives that says otherwise. Oh, there is no peace to be had. That's a lie in Jesus' name. I cast down that vain imagination and that thought that raises itself above the knowledge of God. When it comes to peace, when it comes to grace, when it comes to hope, we cast that stuff down. Anything that speaks against the Word of God, the reality in our lives, man, chuck it. You know, flush it. Sorry to be improper with you. Flush that thing. Let it go. But we, we, we do that, um, and, and we embrace the peace of God, the grace of God, the hope of God. Look, if you need to, tattoo it on your arm to remind yourself of what you got. Better yet, do this. Meditate on the Word of God. Romans, I know I offended somebody by saying tattoos. Okay, better yet, meditate on Romans 5, 1 and 2 every day of your life until this becomes your motto and your reality. And you say, well, well, why do that? You know, why do that? Well, because through the cross, through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have been justified. We have been declared free. We are slaves no longer. And we need to be who Paul says we are in the name of Jesus Christ. The church needs to be and to live this. Now, here, here's the picture God gave me this whole thing, because I'm visual, and God knows to keep it kindergarten for me. The Lord gave me a picture of what this is like in my life. I was praying about this on Thursday, and um, I think I shared this with Jane, but you know, I'm just meditating on Romans 5, 1 and 2, and, and I just see this image of myself, and I'm piloting a plane, okay? So I got the joystick in my hand, and I'm piloting a plane, and, 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 I'm, and it's real dark all around me, dark clouds, and I'm heading into this real big storm. And so the plane is doing this, right? It's just incredible turbulence. I can hear, you know, things rattling and stuff in the plane. And it was me flying through my life so often as a Christian. That, that, that is what Steve Keller flying the plane through his life, it really is like that so often. And yet, to my right, I looked to my right, and in the distance, not too far off, was the most, it was just sunny, brilliant, calm, clear, and that was Romans 5, 1 and 2, the peace of God, the, the grace of God, the hope of the glory of God. And the Lord said this to me. He said, Steve, the joystick is in your hand. Which way will you go? And so since we're talking about the Apostle Paul, I want to do what Paul does here. I want to pass on to you what I received from the Lord. I want to ask you the same question. Brothers and sisters, the joystick of our lives, in a very real sense, is in our, is in our hands. Which way will we go? Will we be free? Will we have shackles fall? Will our lives and our days be days of peace? Will we be people of grace? Will we be known by just the hope in what God is doing all the way through? Or will we live another reality? I tell you, for me, reading Paul, I'm like, you know what, Paul? I'm ready to get in that cocoon and walk through this earth as that kind of man. So I want to pray for us. Um, I'm going to go ahead and invite prayer people up front. You will see elders um, and prayer folks come up front. I'm going to invite you to come up and pray as we wrap up the service, but I just want to pray this over us today. I really do. So receive this now, if you will. Father God, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the kingdom of God, and I thank you for that the kingdom of God is so much greater than what we know in this world, the day-by-day, 
you know, the, 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 what we would call, you know, just the facts of our life. Lord, your kingdom is so much greater. We thank you instead for the truths of faith. We thank you for your presence of your Holy Spirit who has come to set us free. We thank you for a cross that speaks to our freedom. We thank you for a word that speaks that, Lord, does break chains and set hearts free. And, Lord, we want that, God. We, we, we don't want to be healed for our own sake. Well, maybe in part we do. You know, but Lord, we, we don't want to only be healed and whole and set free and delivered and cleansed just so we feel better. Father God, we want to go through this life as, as Paul calls us to here because, Lord, there is a world living in darkness. And Jesus Christ is the only way. And so we pray that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the hope of our salvation, just in every way has, has brought the grace of God into our lives. We pray that the world would see Jesus in us. And so, Lord, in Jesus' name, would you continue to just set us free for freedom's sake? We thank you that we are declared free. But, Lord, for every one of us, may that be more than just a label and a status. May that be a reality in our marriages, with our kids in our jobs, with our neighbors. Father, even when we are just alone with you, I thank you that who the son, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. May that be true of the body of Christ in this place for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen and amen. And I could keep going, but I won't keep going because I know you're getting hungry and you're ready to eat lunch. So God bless you. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to the KPC podcast. For more messages and information, visit kpc.org.